Please take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to Judges chapter 10, the Old Testament book of Judges 10, 10. I'll be able to, easy to remember, and this is where we will begin. And uh, thank you, uh, Aaron and Marston, for leading us in worship as well. One child came in and uh, hugged me and said they were excited to be able to sing at church today. I said, me too. We'll be able to get excited to be able to sing. So thank you for leading us in worship. Great to be able to come and sing the praises to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, let me ask you today, if you're here in this worship service, and you are listening today, and uh, probably have many more students in the second service, but if you're a student of any kind, whether you're a member or not, preschool through 12th grade, college, college graduate school, whatever, would you stand, please? And just remain standing. I'm not going to make you say anything or do anything. If you're teaching in any of those preschool to uh, but remain standing if you would we're going to pray for you here in a moment so if you're a teacher today whether it's in college or high school or junior high or preschool area or any of these things would you please stand as well and uh we we want to pray for you we know that uh, lots of new things happening in the church kind of starting new semester so to speak and we know new semester some for this week some for next week and, uh, but we want to pray for you. We consider you our ambassadors, if not for this church, and certainly ambassadors for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And so you see those who are standing. You may want to pray particularly for those who are around you here in a moment as we pray. But we're going to pray for all as uh, you go into the new school year. We try to do this every school year, but particularly this year, kind of like last year, I guess, that uh, it is, uh, has uh, many more challenges uh, that are coming your way. We pray that these will also be open doors to be able to show Christ's love, to be able to share His grace, and uh, to be able to speak to more people about who Christ is for you. So let's, let's pray for you now at this time. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We thank you for the opportunity to come into your house. Father, we gather as one body in Christ. We pray, Father, for these who will be in school, whether it, uh, wherever that may be, Father, that... Uh, uh, whatever age it may be, we pray that you'll be with each one. We per- certainly pray for our students. We pray that you'll be with them, Father. Keep them healthy and safe, that you will watch over them. And even among students, Father, we pray that they will cons- be considered as your ambassadors to be able to be your representative, either for this church and for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We pray that you will help them certainly to learn, as the Scripture says, that Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. Father, may we also continue to grow and to be wiser uh, and grow in knowledge, but in particular in our love for God and our love for others. We pray for our teachers and we thank you for the calling upon their lives. And we pray, Father, that you'll continue to equip them for the tasks that are ahead as they show love to one another, in particular show love to their students uh, that they will be with. And Father, we uh, now commission them also uh, in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to be your representatives Watch over them. Keep them healthy in these days. And we pray, Father, that we know wondrous things will take place as we put ourselves into your hands. We lift these prayers up in the precious name of the Lord Jesus. Amen and amen. And you may be seated. Thank you so much. Now, I, I should have said stand up with everybody else because now we're going to read our scripture. And ask, why don't you stand while we read the scripture today? Only a few of you have to do a little jack-in-the-box thing, but that's okay. John chapter 10, beginning with verse 10. This now is the word of God. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord saying, We have sinned against you because we have forsaken our God and have served the Baals. And the Lord said to the people of Israel, Did I not save you from the Egyptians and from the Amorites 
and from the Ammonites and from the Philistines, the Sidonians also and the Amalekites and the Moanites oppressed you and you cried out to me and I saved you out of their hand. Yet you have forsaken me and served other gods, therefore I will save you no more. Go and cry out to the gods whom you have chosen. Let them save you in the time of your distress. The people of Israel said to the Lord, We have sinned. Do to us whatever seems good to you. Only please deliver us this day. So they put away the foreign gods from among them and served the Lord, and he became impatient over the misery of Israel. Then the Ammonites were called to arms, and they encamped in Gilead. And the people of Israel came together, and they encamped at Mizpah. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word, and you may be seated. I encourage you to keep your Bibles open to this passage and some of those around it that we will continue to look. Michaela Skinner, do you know that name? A 2020 or a 2021 United States Olympian gymnast. She thought her Olympian... Olympic journey had come to an end. She'd not qualified for any further competition. She had her plane ticket ready to go home. It would be her uh, last Olympics that she would attend. She thought, this is it. And then she got the call. Simone Biles had dropped out. She was called to represent the United States on the vault. And in a true storybook ending, she won the silver medal. A lesson to never give up. And even when you think it's the end, well, it truly may not be over. And these last two weeks have been full of unexpected stories and winners and come from behind victories both among the United States and other countries. From a biblical perspective, and for the record, everything's from a biblical perspective, that everyone who is in Christ, all are called upon to be servants of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and to be a part of building His kingdom. And God chooses the weak and the foolish to astound the strong and the wise. And God roots for the underdog. It's one reason I believe that God chose the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And it's one reason that God has chosen me, as well as the reason He chooses you as well. And Jesus is the ultimate underdog story. The Son of God who left the throne room of heaven to be born among a meager people. He was despised and rejected by man. is placed on a cross of execution meant for, sin meant for criminals and sinners. And though he died in my place and your place, he proved his authority as he rose again the third day, conquering sin, death, and Satan and all of our enemies. He gives us victory over the sting of death and the guilt of sin and any hindrance to you and I being able to live for him. Today, we have an underdog story. Jephthah, we're going to call, you've got your notes there, he is, we're going to call him the underdog judge. And we're going to learn more about this judge, Jephthah. Let's get the setup. It's the period of the judges. The people have come into the promised land, but it's the time before the Israelites had a king to rule over them. They had no ruler at this time, no godly leader, and even the ones we refer to as judges uh, were not necessarily very godly. Samson probably is the very best known of the judges. We're going to talk about him next week. But he was... Hardly, uh, when it comes to godliness or loyalty to God, he was hardly stellar. Our focus for today is one of the judges you may not know much about. If you want to call Judge Jephthah, just Judge Jeff for short, that would be okay. It'd probably not be okay to call Pastor Jeff, Pastor Jephthah. That probably just would not work. But for our purposes today, 
The story of Jephthah and this season of the history of God's people is a bad news, good news type of story. Thus you have in your notes there, if you have them before you, you see some bad news, good news kind of at the top. There's going to be plenty of space maybe if you want to write down notes as we make our way through. And normally you have lots of blanks to fill out, but you only have two or three today. And I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, spoiler alert because you see down there at the bottom you have bad news and best news. So let me go ahead and give you the best news and uh, then it will help us maybe to be able to work our way through the bad news and good news. The best news, very last two blanks that you have down there, is that God's in charge. It is the best news that we have right now. It was the best news that they had in that day. He has always been in charge and He always will be. Now, we're going to talk more about the difference it makes if God is truly in charge, what difference it makes for us today as we kind of work our way through this story. Now, if you move back to the top of this, just so that there's, uh, don't want to confuse you too much, but back at the top of this, if we've got a bad news, our first bad news, good news. The bad news is this. God's people did evil again. Now, the story of the Israelites is kind of a bad news, good news type of story, probably throughout uh, the Old Testament. While there are people in season times in which godliness is represented, and there are many people in the Old Testament certainly that we could follow their good and godly example, for the most part, the big story of the Old Testament is about people's sins and how people turn from God, but how good God is and how God offers hope. Judges chapter 10 and verse 6, we read Judges 10, 10 a moment ago, but a few verses before that it says there that the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, and they served other gods. In fact, seven other gods are mentioned in that verse, in Judges 10 and verse 6, that they serve. If you read through the book of Judges, you will find how God raised up and saved them, or raised up a deliverer to save His people, only to find them going back to their same old practices of worshiping other gods time and again. This time, seven gods are mentioned. So it seems we kind of look at an overview of the book of Judges to where they were serving other God, another God, and then other gods, multiple. And now by the time we get to Judges chapter 10, there are seven other gods. They've gone from bad to worse. So the bad news, God's people did evil again, but the good news is God's people cried out to God again. It's the very first verse we read a moment ago in Judges 10.10. 10. It's good to cry out to God when you are in trouble. Never stop praying or stop calling out to God. Of course, you should not cry out just when you are in trouble. Or should be a daily walk and a growing walk with the Lord. Never should you feel that you need to introduce yourself to God when you're praying in case He forgot your name because it's been so long uh, since you've prayed. I, I was talking with someone not too long ago, and I'd asked her, I asked her if she had... Uh, if she had prayed about a particular matter. And she said, no, she had not. She said, I, she said, I felt guilty praying now when I have not prayed to God in so long. And, I, and she said, I'm, just, I'm afraid that God wouldn't want to hear from me. And so I told her, I said, you know the story of the prodigal son, the prodigal son who took his inheritance and went off and... Uh, lost all of his money and all of his inheritance due to ungodly living. He was feeding the pigs, and he was so far down that he wanted to 
wanted the food that the pigs were eating. And finally he came to himself, the Bible says, and, and says that he, he rehearsed a speech to his father, that he wanted to go back to his father and ask his father if he could be a servant in his house. Because certainly it would be better than what he was doing now. I said, do you, do you know that story? She said, I know that story. She said, said, do you remember the father? Remember what he said? Picture in your mind what you see the father doing. And she said, I see the father waiting on the son, arms wide open and running when he sees the son. I said, the moment that you call out to God, that's exactly what's going to happen. One thing that this Old Testament story teaches, this particular one, maybe more emphasized and seen in this passage maybe than some of the other stories in Judges, is motivation matters. God told the Israelites He had saved them and come to the rescue over and over again. In verses 11 and 12 of Judges chapter 10, He named seven different times He had saved them from seven different nations. Do you remember? We said it just a moment ago, how many gods that they were serving in verse 6. They were serving seven. The very same, they were serving the very same gods for the same people God had already delivered and defeated. God had proven Himself over and over again far superior above these gods. Was that not motivation enough to serve and worship only Yahweh God? Thus God gives these very shocking words in Judges chapter 10 and verse 13. And maybe the saddest words in all of this book, if not all of the, all of the Old Testament, Judges chapter 10 and verse 13 says, yet you have forsaken me and you have served other gods, therefore I will save you no more. Seven times in the book of Judges, God had delivered His people, and each time they had turned back to other gods. So is seven the number? You blow it seven times, you mess up seven times, and that's it? Hardly. Interestingly enough, we find in the New Testament, we find Peter asking Jesus the question, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times, he asked, thinking that would be generous. And of course, Jesus answered, no, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven, meaning forgiveness is unlimited. And if Jesus tells Peter our forgiveness towards others is to be unlimited, how much more is God's? Then in Judges chapters 10 and 11, God is teaching about motivation and heartfelt repentance. They cried out to God because they were being oppressed by the Philistines and by the Ammonites, and for 18 years they had undergone this oppression. And they again wanted favor from God. Not necessarily a love relationship is what they were looking at or looking for. And it was a familiar cycle. In fact, here's the cycle of the Israelites. We talked about this a few weeks ago. We know that uh, there's a cycle that continued throughout the book of Judges. If you look at uh, around 3 o'clock on the circle, we found that the Israelites would be unfaithful. And then when they were unfaithful for a time, then they would find that it would become unfruitful for them. And they would want God's help, and so they would cry out to God. And then God would bring a deliverer, or He would raise, or He would deliver, and He would help out the people. And this continued on seven times so far. And this is number eight that this is happening. Only this time God says... I'm not going to save you. Now, you understand this is also the cycle of many a New Testament believer. Sometimes even those who are followers of Christ, sometimes we find ourselves we are unfaithful for a time. And then we find sometimes that our unfaithfulness does not help us at all. And it's unfruitful, as it always is. And 
then we cry out to God as we should and we ask for His help or confess our sins and God delivers us and so that if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, we know that we have a greater fellowship with Him and maybe that helps for a while and for a time. But then sometimes it's the same cycle, a roller coaster journey that continues. And the problem may be our motivation or heartfelt repentance. For often when you call out to Jesus for forgiveness or help, you may be sincere, but it may be it's all about you. Lord, I need you to get me out of this mess. I need you to help me so that I can feel better, so that I can have a little bit of peace, so that I can be forgiven. And there's nothing wrong with calling out to God for all of your needs. You should. But as long as the focus is only on you, you will likely stay in this cycle instead of having genuine growth in the Lord. So here's, here's my lesson. that I, I And we're going to call it my lesson because I want you to make it personal. We'll put it there on the screen. Is putting your focus on Christ and not on self will stop the cycle. You understand, not my lesson since it's Brother Jeff's lesson. This is my lesson in the sense that I want you to make it personal today. Lord, I want to put you in the center of my heart, home, and church, and all that I do. Yes, I need your help in these areas, but thank you for how you're going to be at work. Pay attention to your prayers, and pay attention when you are praying. And notice, are your prayers focused just on you and your needs, or are your prayers being focused on Jesus? If you pay attention to your motivation, what's going on in your heart, the Lord will do something. He'll, he'll transform your heart. He'll transform your thoughts to then no longer are you praying or you're thinking, God, I sure want to be happy. It'll go to, God, I sure want to make you happy. Now, we've got a lot of good news, bad news. We're going to speed this up here just as we go through. But uh, it may be, if you want to take your notes, that you, what you want to take notes is on the my lesson type thing. You already know, next we got some bad news that God becomes impatient with the cycle of sin with Israel. But there's good news. Israel shows signs of repentance. Do you think God ever uses sarcasm? I think He does. In fact, He says here, after God tells him He'll not save him, He says in verse 14 of Judges chapter 10, Cry out to those gods you've chosen to worship. See what good that will do you. And the people said to the Lord, then we have sinned. Do to us whatever you will, but please be our deliverer. Notice what they did in Judges chapter 10 and verse 16. It says they put away their foreign gods and served the Lord, and God became impatient over the misery of Israel. How do we rectify God saying, He will not save the Israelites, I will save you no more. But we find in chapter 11, the Lord comes to the rescue again. I think it's uh, kind of like in the story of Jonah who was told to go and tell the Ninevites about the judgment that was coming. And Jonah, who was either afraid or hated the Ninevites, or maybe both, he runs, swallowed by the well, gets vomited back up toward Nineveh, and he goes and he preaches. And you remember what he preached. When he came, he said, he said, four days, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. That's it. He didn't say you need to, you know, you need to, get things right or you're going to get left. He didn't say that there'll be destruction. You need to get your house in order or you need to turn to God. Just 40 days there will be destruction. And Jonah believed it because we find Jonah, he goes and he tries to find a comfortable place in which to watch the show that's going to take place. He's disappointed when it didn't take place. What did the Ninevites do? They repented just in case God would forgive. And He did. Grace 
is laced throughout the Scriptures from Adam to Noah to Abraham to the judges and beyond in the Old Testament and then to Peter and Paul, James and John in the New Testament, especially Jesus. All who repent and call upon the Lord will be saved. So here's my lesson, our lesson to make it personal. Genuine repentance is a heartfelt, heartfelt conviction in taking steps to change. Never hesitate to call upon God. And motivation matters. But there's some more bad news. There is no leader in Israel. The Ammonites, the enemy, they must have sensed something's going on in Israel. Maybe they saw the change in the people because they're turning away from idols and turning to Yahweh God. So the enemy had a call to arms and they come together and place their army in Gilead. And the Israeli army, they're camped across the way in another city called Mizpah. And after 18 years of oppression, maybe they're finally getting a backbone, maybe because they've left those idols and they're worshiping only God at that time. By the way, the same thing will happen when we leave the gods of materialism, selfish ambition, or selfish indulgence. We'll have more courage to face our battles knowing that God's on our side. They're poised to do battles, but the Israelites have no leader. Judges chapter 10 and verse 18 says this. We read it a moment ago. And the people, the leaders of Gilead, said to one another, Who is the man who will begin to fight against the Ammonites? He shall be head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. Whoever leads this battle will become the leader, like for good. So that's the bad news. There's no leader in Israel. But the good news is Jephthah is a mighty warrior, a man of valor. In the story about the other judges and most all the other stories that we find in this book, we find that God raised up a deliverer, had someone waiting. But in this case, the people go looking for a leader. And chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Jephthah the, Gilead, the Gileadite was a mighty warrior. But there's bad news. Jephthah is the son of a harlot. And he's been driven from Israel. Here was... Jephthah is a mighty warrior, man of valor, but we see in contrast the son of a harlot driven from Israel. Look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 3. It says, Now Jephthah the Gilead, Gileadite was a mighty warrior, but he was the son of a prostitute. Gilead was the father of Jephthah. Gilead's wife also bore him sons, and when his wife's sons grew up, they drove Jephthah out and said to him, You shall not have an inheritance in our father's house, for you're the son of another woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brothers and lived in the land of Tob. And the worthless fellows collected around Jephthah and went out, with, went out with him. Aha! The plot thickens. Gilead, a leader among the clans, he has a city named after him. If it wasn't after him, it was probably after one of his ancestors. By the way, that's the same city where the enemy army is stationed, so there's question of his strength and maybe his character. And Gilead's son from a harlot. Some of your translations may use other words, but as we've said, we're not necessarily defending God's words. We're simply letting it loose. Gilead had other sons from his wife. And when they grow up, they run Jephthah out of Israel and uh, said they'll have, he'll have no part of their inheritance. And here's Jephthah. He has a gang described as worthless fellows, and he is their leader. What kind of deliverer is this? You may be wondering, is God in this? Is, is, he's going, to, is he going to sanction what's going on? I, I hope you're at least intrigued and want to be able to find out. But now you can know why I call him the under, underdog judge. He's not even living in Israel. 
It's certainly not his fault how he was born. A castaway leading a group of ne'er-do-wells. But it might just tell you how far Israel had gone down in their need for a deliverer or what God can do through the most unsuspecting person. So the bad news is Jephthah is the son of a harlot driven from Israel. The good news is the people sent for Jephthah to be their leader and their deliverer. Judges chapter 11 verse 6 says this, And they said to Jephthah, Can't Come and be our leader that we might fight against the Ammonites. How do you think Jephthah responded? How would you have responded? Weren't you the ones that sent me away? Aren't you the one, very ones who hated me? And now that you're in trouble, you come and call me to give you help. And they said to him, they said, if you will come and be our leader in this battle, then you will be our leader afterwards. He said, say it again. No, actually he repeated it back to them, only this time he used the word for leader that uh, meant that he was their ruler when they had used the word leader that had meant they were the, he was the general or a commander, but they all agreed. So here's my lesson as we continue. Lesson, personal lesson for you. No matter my situation, circumstance, or sin, God has a plan for me. You may be in a situation or a circumstance through no fault of your own. You may be in a situation because you have made some wrong choices. But regardless, God is still in charge. He has a plan and He is working out His purposes in and through you. Submit to Him in every way. Well, there's some more bad news. Jephthah tried to avoid a war, but he couldn't do it. Now, Jephthah becomes their leader. He tried a diplomatic approach to avoiding the war. He writes a letter to the king of the Ammonites. Part of that is found in... Judges chapter 11, verses 12 and 13. It says, Then Jephthah sent messengers to the king of the Ammonites and said, What do you have against me that you have come to me to fight against my land? And the king of the Ammonites answered the messengers of Jephthah, Because Israel on coming up from Egypt took away my land. You know, I hope that you're enjoying this. I hope it's kind of like, uh, I know you've read lots of stories in the Bible, I hope it's kind of like one of your favorite shows looking at a rerun, but you forget exactly how it ends. So hang in there. The king of Amorite said, We want our land back. Well, Jephthah answers back with the bulk of the middle part of chapter 11. And we will not read it all, but it's an incredibly articulate description of showing his knowledge of how Israel did not take their land, but avoided them when they came into the promised land. But a neighboring nation attacked God's people, which you should never do. And God Gave them that land. And besides, that was 300 years ago. Why are you worried about it now? He says, we'll take the land that God gives us. You take the land that your God gives you. Now that's a summary of kind of a complicated description that happens in this chapter. But then in Judges chapter eleven twenty-eight, 28, it says that the king of the Ammonites would not listen. Now that's the bad news. Now here's the good news. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah. The Spirit of the Lord was upon Jephthah. If you were ever wondering if God was in this, well, according to verse 29, He is. And if we as readers of the story, uh, wondering where the Lord is or who God can use, now we know. And here's my, here's my simple but true lesson. There will always be battles to face in my life, but Christ gives the victory. There will always be battles to face in my life, but Christ gives the victory. 
it would be great if this were the end of that story. And that is, the God Spirit was on Jephthah, and Lord gave victory in the battle, and that was kind of the end of this episode, but it doesn't quite end there. There's some more bad news. Jephthah made a foolish conditional vow. I don't know if he got so worked up and he was so excited or he thought that maybe he needed additional assurance that God was going to give the victory. But in Judges chapter 11, verses 30 and 31, listen to the vow that he made. A conditional vow. Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and said, If you will give the Ammonites into my hand, then whatever comes out from the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the Ammonites shall be the Lord's, and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. I don't know if you caught that or not. He vowed if God gave the victory, when He returns home, whatever comes out His front door first, He's going to give that to the Lord and make a sacrifice. And we find later in this chapter, the, what comes out the door first is His only daughter. and He has no sons and she's shaking a tambourine and she's shouting the praises of her father. So let's be clear. It seems as if he's offering his only child as a sacrifice. Now, we don't know what he was thinking. Now, there were some foreign uh, nations with pagan gods that this was a common practice to offer a child or human sacrifice for victory and for assurance from their gods and hope that their gods would appease. Or maybe, maybe that's what he thought he needed to do like some of these pagan nations. Or maybe like some developing countries even today, Many animals lived in the house. Even the farm animals would come into the house. They'd live and stay there. And he thought, well, surely an animal's going to come out first. Maybe his favorite dog, cat, or camel. And he was willing to sacrifice that to the Lord. That could have been possible. The wording of the original language can be understood to mean he will give to the Lord whatever comes out his front door, and he will make a sacrifice. So... She may have been given to the Lord in the sense of leaving the family and serving in the synagogue. But whatever the case, family and friends mourn the loss. What was he thinking? Jephthah's name means open mouth. So Jephthah may have had the same problem maybe as Pastor Jeff does sometimes. He opens his mouth when it should have been shut. So here's the good news. Bad news, Jephthah made a foolish conditional vow. But the good news is... There was no need for a conditional vow, for the Lord gave the victory. Judges chapter 11, verses 32 and 33. When Jephthah came to the Ammonites, the Lord gave the victory. And not just a small victory, but a great victory. Defeat of 20 cities is mentioned that were overtaken. These verses leave no doubt it was God who gave the victory. Are you ever late to a meeting or an appointment and... As you, you can't find a parking spot, and maybe you say a little prayer, Lord, if you'll just open up a parking space, Lord, I'll be sure to be in church Sunday. I'll read my Bible every day. I'll even be nice to the neighbor. And then suddenly a parking spot opens, and you say, oh, never mind, Lord, I found one. <laughs> Jesus Christ has already won the victory, and He's always in the battle with us, not just to get us what we want or what we think we might need, but to mold us and to shape us to be more like Him. So here's my lesson, and you know there's several bad news, good news. My lesson is this, because of the promise of the risen Lord Jesus, no conditional vow is needed. His promises are true and accurate, regardless of what we do as we place our faith in Him. God always has your back, leads the way, walks with you in every season of life. Well, speaking of seasons of life, 
How old are you? Don't answer, of course, and but think about how you answer, because how you answer depends on your season of life. Now, if you're 12 or under, probably you tend to answer in fractions. I'm six and a half. I'll be seven in three months. If you're a teenager, you usually answer in what you're going to be. I'm going to be 16, when maybe you're really 14. Uh, you become 21, kind of like a coronation into adulthood. Uh, you uh, turn 30, you're pushing 40, you reach 50, you made it to 60, you hit 70. When you're in your 80s, you're just kind of floating through. You're in your 80s. And when you're past 90 or into the 100, you, you're back to fractions again. I'm 99 and a half, I'll be 100 and such and such. I actually did a funeral in 2001 where the lady was 101 and a half. And that's how we talked about it. She lived to be 101 and a half. She was born in 1899, lived in three centuries. Oh my goodness, I just realized I was old enough to have done a funeral for somebody that lived in the 1800s. My point is this, regardless of your season of life, your past or your present or your future circumstances, God wants to do for you what He has always done for His people, forgive you of your sins, see the victory in every battle. His way, transform your life, give you hope in the future. And if you think you're an underdog or we're in an underdog position, God's rooting for you. So here's, here's the last bad news and best news. You already have the best news. The bad news is sin and sickness will continue to stalk this world. I've included the sickness in there because we may wonder if this COVID thing's ever going to be over, but if and when it ever is, there'll be other sickness. Sin and temptation is not going away. The enemy is at work, but he's not in charge. Don't act like we're losers in this thing. And the best news is that God's in charge. Jesus has proven it to be true. And He continues to prove it every day in the lives of people who know, love, and trust Him. Now, Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says this, For by Him, and there the Him is Jesus, by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. You don't have to hold it together anymore. All you got to do is take hold of Jesus. So here's my lesson. My last lesson. Not Brother Jeff's lesson necessarily. My lesson that you want to make personal. It may depend on your situation at this time. I will trust Jesus for eternity. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord then it is the lesson that we learn from this Old Testament story that you want to confess your sins, you want to repent of that sin, and you want to ask Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord today. You want to trust Him for a brighter day tomorrow. If you know Him today, then this is my lesson. I will trust Jesus for today because you've already trusted Him for eternity. You've already trusted Him for the most important thing. You can trust that He's in charge today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house and worship you. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, Father, for how you continue to be our deliverer. We thank you that you are our Savior the moment that we turn to you. We pray, Father, if there's one here today or listening today or watching, Father, we pray that if there's one that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that the lesson from today may be that they can place their faith and trust in you. 
no matter who they are, because we know that salvation is for all those who come to you and call upon you. We thank you for that good news. We pray, Father, we may continue to trust you for today and everything. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.